Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at CAF's new policy of playing the Champions League and Confederation Cup finals over one leg at neutral venues. Will this work in Africa? Also, we speak to Nigeria's Tony Wakeme, who's based in Turkey with Trabzonspor. He tells us how tough it's been playing in empty stadiums. For me, it's, it's boring for me. But uh, what can you do? That is my job. I have to face it. And I hope this coming season will be better than last one. That's coming later. Plus, another Zambian, Enoch Mwepu, moves to the English Premier League to Brighton a week after Pats and Daka join Leicester. And we have Stuart on the Euros ahead of Sunday's final between England and Italy. Well, first, this month, the Confederation of African Football begins a new policy of playing club competition finals over one leg at neutral venues. So this weekend, the Confederation Cup final between Raja Casablanca of Morocco and JS Kavali of Algeria will be played in Cotonou in Benin. And next weekend, the Champions League final between Al Ahly of Egypt and Kaiser Chiefs of South Africa will take place in Casablanca in Morocco. Well, this, of course, is how European club finals are played. But is it the right model for Africa? Now, when travel is allowed, will fans be able to afford to travel, given the high cost of flights in Africa? On the other hand, is this a fairer way of playing the final, as the two-legged finals had many allegations of dirty tricks and biased refereeing? So, uh, what are your views, Ida? Well, Steve, there are those who think that the issue of playing one leg at a neutral venue was catalyzed by the corona pandemic, but. CAF has been on this since around 2019, I believe, you know, when uh, former President Ahmad announced the decision and said that it would apply from the next season. The issue of travel restrictions, well, you know, brought about by COVID has definitely affected the games as well. But also, Steve, as you've just said, will fans be able to afford these travel costs? Because, you know, absolutely, this format really suits Europe, but it's because on an average, it's much cheaper, much more convenient to fly and just generally travel across Europe than Africa. We know that sometimes to fly, you know, from one African country to another, you have to first leave Africa, you know, find yourself in transit in a place like Doha, for example, before coming back to the continent. And uh, we were just talking last week about how African football has a tendency to follow European football. Well, as for fairness, it's debatable, but, you know... (laughs) We saw the sort of drama that ensued after the 2019 CAF Champions League final, you know, between Esperance of Tunisia and uh, Widad Casablanca of Morocco, you know, where the result was contested weeks after the second leg was played, you know. But the bidding will also be an interesting aspect on this one. Uh, most will be keen to see just how often North African countries 
get the hosting rights. And, you know, this is because it's become commonplace for either Egypt, Morocco, you know, to be used as alternative venues. And Steve, this is just history repeating itself. I'll finish this up with a fun fact. Now, the first final of the CAF Champions League, which was then called the African Cup of Champions Clubs, well, it was staged as a single match in Ghana 57 years ago, you know. And then after that is when the tournament became two legs. So this is just a cycle and it's just history repeating itself. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's an amazing fact that, uh, yes, in 1964, Oryx Dwala of Cameroon beat Stad Malien of Mali in Accra. Uh, the semi-finals and the final were held there in Ghana in the very first edition of what went on to become the CAF Champions League. Well, thanks for that, Ida. Ask if your thoughts on this uh, this week on social media. Are you in favour of playing the CAF Champions League final and the Confederation Cup final at a neutral venue over one leg? Yes, that's how it's done in Europe, but is it right for Africa? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Are you in favour of playing the Champions League and CAF Confederation Cup finals at neutral venues over one leg? Now, in other news, as South African coach Pito Masimani has taken Al-Akhli to the Champions League final, Florent Ibenge from DR Congo has been appointed as the head coach of RS Burkhan of Morocco on an initial two-year contract, getting $55,000 a month as his salary. Now, Ibenge has coached the DR Congo national team for many years and also coached the Congolese giants AS Vita. Interesting to see another black African coach moving to a top North African club, Ida. And let's not forget Emmanuel Egbo, you know, who became the first African coach, Steve, to qualify a team for the UEFA Champions League, you know, when he did that with uh, KF Tirana in 2020. And these are all strides. They might be small ones, depending on uh, different perspectives, but they are strides nonetheless. And when we talk about breaking glass ceilings, Steve, this is exactly what we mean. Well, clearly, the effect Pizzo Mosemane has had in the North has started to change stereotypes. I mean, they've started rating black coaches. And I think with former CAF Confederation Cup champions Aris Burkhanis signing on Ibenge, and in a particularly disappointing, strenuous season for them, well, this is a sign that they hope, you know, that the 59-year-old can salvage the season for them at least. And Steve, the Oranges were unable to qualify for the knockout stages of the Confederation Cup, you know, after finishing third in their group. And uh, they are currently on track to missing out on continental football next season altogether. Ibenge Steve has coached in France, China, and most recently had, you know, what I will only call a daunting task of simultaneously coaching AS Vita Club and DR Congo. Now, Ibenge was successful with both, you know, having guided uh, DR Congo to a third place finish. That was in the 2015 Afghan while also lifting two league titles and one Super Cup with AS Vita. Yeah, we'll see how a Florent Ebenga does at RS Burkhan in Morocco. 
In women's football news, South Africa international Tembi Catalana has moved from Spanish Primera top flight side Ibar to former champions Atletico Madrid on a three-year deal. Uh, Catalana was the 2018 African Women's Footballer of the Year. She's 25 and she moves to Atletico Madrid as a free agent. Right next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with Nigeria's Tony Wakeme, who's based in Turkey with Trabzonspor. Wakeme started his European career in Romania and then moved to Israel. And in his three years at Israeli side Hapoel Beersheba from 2015, Wakeme scored 43 goals in 120 appearances, winning three successive league titles and the cup twice as well. Now, despite the lure of big money in China in 2018, Wakeme chose to stay in Europe, joining Turkish club Trabzonspor. And in the last three seasons, he's been involved in 61 goals across 109 games for Trabzonspor. But Wakeme told Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji that he feels his return of seven goals and seven assists, which helped the club to finish fourth and a spot in Europe's Conference League, was not enough. Uh, this season, to be honest, is uh, is hard. This season is really hard because of the pandemic and everything. It was not really. I think this this past season is like one of my lowest performance uh, in Trabzonspor. But you know, we still had a great season. We are playing without fans in the stadium. For me, it's, it's boring for me, but. Uh, what can you do? That is my job. I have to face it. And I hope this coming season will be better than last one. Do you think like the competitive nature of the Turkish League might have been different if you had fans, if you had all of those things when you travel to a place like Istanbul to play against Galatasaray, Besiktas, those high-tempo games? Do you think with the fans, things might have been different? Yeah, of course. It's always different with the Turkish fans. The Turkish fans, they, these people... They are crazy when it comes to football. Like, they don't care about nothing. The day of the game, you need to see them. They come out in number. And also, we in Trabzon, we have one of the best fans in the country. So, playing at home for us is like, it's wow. It's just wow. So, I miss all those things. I miss the home fans. I miss the away fans. And I miss the opponent fans because there, there's no football without fans. You know, it's, that's why I said it's boring. You know, so I really miss uh, the fans, whether Traps on sport fans or the opponent fans. I miss all of them. You grew up in a very tough ghetto in Nigeria, in Lagos, Ajigunle, um, where you find a lot of footballers coming from there. Toughness, the mental toughness that you endured and you experienced growing up, does that have a role to where you, whenever you find yourself in a tough situation in Europe? The truth is that I grew up in Ajegule, but I did not really do so many things people do in Ajegule. Even growing up for me, I was still calm. I was still that reserve. Every day I'm home. Like if you find me, if you are looking for me, just come home, you will find me. I'm not that guy you will see in that street or that street, except like people come to my home to beg my mom to allow me to go out and play football with them. You hardly find me outside. You know, so I didn't do those things guys were doing. You know, but at least I see some of the things that are going on, you know, with the area boys and all that. So growing up in Ajegula, yeah, he, it really helps me a lot, you know. He gives me the spirit of, like, the way I am now, I know where I came from. Growing up in Ajegula makes me to appreciate life more because if I look where I am now, and I remember where I was back then. I'm just like, wow, 
Thank you, God, for everything. Like there was one day I woke up, I was sitting on the bed, and I was thinking about myself and everything I've done and everything that, I, that I'm still doing, and I was just smiling. I'm just like, is this really me? Because I know where I came from. I know what it was back then for me and my family, you know. Because even back then it was worse for my family, but it was not worse for me because I was the youngest. So everyone is around me. I can cry to this one, I can cry to this, I can cry. So everybody always gives me something, you know. So I think a jegule make me to appreciate life more and appreciate the little things that I have today, you know. That's Nigeria's Tony Wakame, who's based in Turkey with Traps and Spore. Interesting insights there. He doesn't like playing in empty stadiums at all. And uh, growing up, he was at home being a good boy. And his friends would ask his mum for him to come out and play football with them. And uh, Ida, Turkey, a popular destination for African players. It really is, Steve. I mean, from South Africans, Sifiwe Shabalala and Steve Komfela to Nigeria's Henry Onyekuru, you know, they have been a dime a dozen. I mean, so much so that one of the cities in Turkey, um, Ferry Koi, I believe, used to host a friendly Africa Cup of Nations every year. <laughs> But Steve, of course, this is all thanks to, you know, efficient airline connections to Africa, um, flexible visa policies. I mean, Istanbul has really become, over the years at least, that destination, you know, for those who dream about better wages, proper football careers in Turkey that we also know is a gateway to Europe. And Steve, the cash doesn't hurt either. For example, uh, a fourth division player in a Turkish club earns an average of just around $8,000 a year. Now, this is in comparison to just a few hundred dollars, Steve, at an average African club. So, of course, you know, no two guesses there. And as for Wakime, well, he has done well, at least between uh, Israel and Turkey, but Steve, as we all know, those sorts of numbers, and especially for a left winger, you know, where he was averaging almost 20 goals per season, well, they are oftentimes the rarity, you know, as opposed to the common occurrence, and especially as one rises up the different leagues. And uh, the 31-year-old has only managed to feature for the Super Eagles once. Uh, that's dating back to 2017 in a World Cup qualifier. And frankly, you know, it is left to see whether he will feature again. Because, of course, there are those who would argue that the competition is quite high. Yes, a plenty of African players in Turkey. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the Euro 2020 final, and also on why there are so many own goals at Euro 2020. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. Our website is planetsport.tv, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. 
Right to social media now. And last week we asked, how do you think Pats and Dako will do at Leicester? As the Foxes have signed the Zambia striker on a five-year deal from RB Salzburg in Austria. Uh, Dako was the Austrian Bundesliga player of the season with 27 goals in 28 appearances last season. He's only 22. Leicester described him as an exciting young striker. So on the show last week we asked, how do you think Dako will do in the English Premier League? Can he adjust? Can he keep scoring? Will he fit in at Leicester? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, Steve. And we'll start on Facebook with Otaru Iyasu in Nigeria, who says, uh, The Premier League is more physical, fast and a very tough league. He will need more time to adapt to the English Premier League style of play. To WhatsApp now, and Alfred Mdimba in Malawi says, Surely. Hudson Dhaka will do well at Leicester. However, the English Premier League is a different league, and I suggest he needs more time to reach his potential. Asami Ogada got in touch from Kenya. I've been analysing strikers across football leagues in Europe and Africa, says Sami, and what comes alive in my mind is the consistency of individuals. And Therefore, Dhaka being a consistent striker, he'll be able to make it in Leicester. His quality is unmatched, although team unity also plays a key role in the success of a player. Adaka will keep scoring goals, and of course, at his age, he has enough time to be acquainted with the English Premier League style of football. He'll fit in just fine, says Sammy. And we always welcome your voice notes on Planet Sport Football Africa, and we'll hear now from Ricky Ngulube, who, like Dhaka, is also from Zambia. For me, it's a good move. And it's a dream come true, not only for Patson, but also for all of us, Zambians. He will succeed because he's very determined and he's disciplined. And that's what it takes for anyone to succeed. So Ricky is saying there that Dhaka will succeed because he's both disciplined and determined. And here's another voice note, this time from Sana Jone in The Gambia. Well, Paston Daka is an exciting striker. I watch his highlights and he scored very good goals. But the question is whether he will adapt to the system at the Premier League. You know, they are very good defenders, tough ones for that matter. And if Leicester give him the chance, he's going to be a very good prospect for Leicester. And uh, Sunkaru Bambasowe, also in the Gambia, agrees. The Premier League differs from the Austrian Bundesliga in terms of physicality and mentality, says Sunkaru. He will have to adjust to catch up with the level of the English Premier League, but a massive number of players land in the English Premier League after having a decent season with their previous clubs, but end up battling to fit into the English Premier League. Meanwhile, in Zambia, Mono John feels in his voice note that Dhaka will do better than the other two Zambians to have played in the English Premier League, Collins Mbesuma and Emmanuel Mayuka, and that the other Africans at the Foxes will assist him to adjust. Settling in at Leicester, I feel he has got two big brothers that are going to help him fit in, and that is Ernacho uh, and Didi, both Nigerians, and I think if Daniel Mati will still be at Leicester, they'll be the guys that will help him settle in England. With that in mind, I think Patson Daka is going to be a different story from Collins Mesuma and Emmanuel Mayoka. And uh, one of the reasons why he signed for Leicester City, I'm told, is because Leicester City offered him and assured him of game time. 
and the fact that uh, Dhaka can uh, benefit from the presence of other African players in the Leicester squad was also picked up by Yusuf Bobson Christian uh, Kamara in Sierra Leone. I hope to see him do well in the Premier League. And Leicester City is a great club. We have a lot of African players there like Kelechi Nacho and uh, Ndidi. These are great players and I can't wait to see him. He's a great player. I hope that he can put the map of Africa high again like he did in Austria. Now, Ashavin Dixon Pakamwa in Malawi is also positive about Dhaka's chances. Sure, why not, says Ashavin. Most African players are doing very well in the English Premier League, so why not him as well? I'm expecting him to shine. And Asunge in Cameroon agrees, As strikers from Africa have always animated the English Premier League, and Dhaka is no exception, says Asunge. Avadi is aging, so they need a long-term prospect, and Dhaka suits perfectly well in that plan. He's pacey, swift, and creative. All in all, I see him adapting very well to the English Premier League, and in record time. But uh, Stephen Jr. in Ghana isn't so sure. It's going to be tough for Dhaka, says Stephen. The English Premier League is more competitive and there are lots of great strikers there already. But he can adjust because he's determined and I say all the best to him, says Stephen. And Ismaila Saidi in the Gambia also sounds a note of caution. In my opinion, says Ismaila, Pats and Dhaka won't fit at Leicester right now. It would take him a long time to fit in, probably a season or more. And Ecclesiastes in Uganda also suggests a cautious approach due to several factors, including the number of strikers already at the club. It's all going to depend on quite a few things. One, the players that he is, that are in that very same position. Second, he himself, his character, his ego, his everything. And finally, it will be up to the manager. How does he want to play him? Because all of these three things are going to perfect what we ought to be seeing or what we expect from him. But we'll leave the final word this week to Mwinga Maimbolwa, another of Dhaka's fellow countrymen from Zambia. Patson Dhaka is a fantastic talent who I believe will do very well in the English Premiership, says Mwinga. He's a hard worker who has done a lot of his talking on the field of play, as can be seen by his exploits at Red Bull Salzburg. He will do very well at Leicester, and I do believe he will become the first Zambian to score a goal in the English Premiership. I saw then, Steve, a huge amount of excitement among our correspondents this week at the prospect of watching Patson Dhaka in the English Premier League, even if it takes him a little while, because he's still young and already has a lot of experience behind him, as well as his proven goal-scoring record. You really hope it works out for him at Leicester. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks to everybody who got in touch with us. And as Pat Sandaka became the third Zambian to join a club in the English Premier League, uh, just a week later, Enoch Mwepu became the fourth as Brighton have signed midfielder Enoch Mwepu from RB Salzburg for an undisclosed fee. Now, 23-year-old Zambia international Mwepu joins on a four-year deal. He was Pat Sandaka's teammate in Austria. He'd been with Salzburg since 2017 and made 81 league appearances for the side with 11 goals and 9 assists. 
Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of excitement among football fans in Zambia. They're going to have two players in the English Premier League this season. Thanks, Ida. Let's go to Stuart Weir in the UK now, here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And the Euro 2020 final this Sunday is between England and Italy at Wembley in London. England with that 2-1 extra time win over Denmark in the semis. Uh, so, Stuart, is it coming home to you there in England? Well, yes, indeed, Steve. England are in the final of a major football tournament for the first time since the 1966 World Cup. But the current England team are efficient rather than exciting. The Jack Grealish, arguably the most skillful creative player in England, was not brought on until the 69th minute and then taken off 36 minutes later, summed up England's cautious approach. The winning goal was a doubtful penalty, which Harry Kane only scored when Casper Schmeichel's save knocked the ball back to him. But all that will be forgotten in the euphoria of an England victory. Credit too to Denmark, who overcame the trauma of Christian Eriksen's cardiac arrest in their first game and the loss of their first two games to reach the semi-finals and then took England into extra time, losing only on that harsh penalty decision following an own goal. Denmark's goal, incidentally, was a free kick from 20-something metres scored by Darmsgaard, meaning that we have finally seen a goal direct from a free kick. England took their opportunity well and are in the final, but one could add that they have taken advantage of playing six of their seven games at home and that the games against Croatia, Czech Republic, Scotland, Germany, Denmark meant that they reached the final without facing any of the top six-ranked countries in Europe. Italy will meet them in the final, and Italy came into the tournament on a run of 25 games unbeaten. But don't forget, they didn't even qualify for the World Cup in 2018, and that was the first time for 50 years. The squad has two players from Chelsea and two from PSG, with the other 22 players playing in Italy. The management team is very familiar to us. Roberto Mancini, four years at Manchester City, assisted by Gianluca Vialli, Chelsea manager for four years. But looking at what might have been, Belgium are ranked number one in the world, and not surprising with players like Kevin De Bruyne, Eden Hazard, Yuri Tielemans, Romelu Lukaku, a golden generation if ever there was one. But yet again, they underachieved at a major tournament. France, World Cup winners in 2018, beaten by Switzerland after extra time and penalties. They were the tournament favourites, but again massively underachieved. OK, they only lost on penalties, but with the depth of their squad and the talent within it, they should have beaten Switzerland without needing even extra time. Portugal, the holders, ranked fourth in Europe, seem to rely too heavily on Ronaldo. Bruno Fernandes has been outstanding for Manchester United this season, but surprisingly, the Portuguese coach only started him in two of their five games. And so after that tedious group stage, where it was possible to lose two out of three games and still progress, the tournament came alive in the knockout stages. And of the 14 games in the knockout stage, only four resulted in a win by more than one goal. Six games went to extra time, three were decided on penalties. That all makes for great excitement, but doesn't necessarily mean that the two best teams reach the final, especially in games decided by a single penalty in a shootout. None of that, however, will worry England or Italy.
Indeed, they won't. And Stuart, at the Euros, we seem to have a lot of own goals.、Uh, any idea why this is? Well, we've had eleven own goals in the European Football Championships, and the average for the previous six championships is one and a half. So, why are there so many own goals? Well, we've had some freak own goals in the current tournament. Perhaps the best being Pedri. Uh, passing back to the Spanish goalkeeper from 45 meters out, when the ball just had an awkward bounce and the goalkeeper missed it. But I would want to know why on earth would a player who's got the ball on the halfway line want to send it back to the goalkeeper? Then there was the Newcastle United keeper Martin Dubravka playing for Slovakia, who lost the ball in the sun and punched it into his own net. That actually reminded me of the best own goal I think I've ever seen, which was Juninho. Bakuna of Huddersfield Town, who was 40 meters from his own goal, tried to volley the ball upfield, managed to slice it so that it lobbed over his goalkeeper 40 meters backwards and into the net. And you can find all of those, by the way, on YouTube. But a major reason why there are so many own goals at the moment is that UEFA has decided to credit any deflection, even if the shot was going in without the deflection, as an own goal. And spare thought for. Robert Mack of Slovakia and Thomas Vermeulen from Belgium, who each shot against the frame of the goal. The ball rebounded, hit the goalkeeper, and went in. And both were credited as own goals, not to the player striking the ball. Strangely, in 2010, FIFA decided that shots that are on target and either touch a defender or rebound from the goal. Or of a defender or goalkeeper should not be considered as own goals, but the ruling wasn't binding, and it's up to each tournament organizer to decide how to allocate goals. A confused situation, Steve. Right. So the definition of an own goal can differ, and some of those at the Euros wouldn't count as own goals elsewhere.、Uh, really interesting. Thanks a lot for that, Stuart. Well, from me, Steve Vickers, and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.